0: You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All right, welcome back everyone to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 116. I'm your host Christian Babcock, and I'm joined by the esteemed co-host Jay Gaylord. What's <laughs> up, Jake? Why, why are we recording at 10:42 at night?
1: Uh, because some people won't text me and say, "Hey, let's jump on one at 6 p.m. like we normally do." 6 p.m. on a Friday, though, that'd be brutal. We gotta wait uh, till
0: late at night, dude. I was being a good husband. I, I was. I helped. I went and watched Lauren ride horses, and oh, did you? Then we got Cabo Bob's burritos after that. So. Okay. Okay. It was worth it. This late recording can be worth it.
1: Did you get uh so when you eat Mexican, do you do you like are you one of those people that have to have a margarita? Or so, is that place like a fast food joint?
0: It's not a fast food joint, but it's like it's not a margarita place either. It's like a uh it's basically like Chipotle. Really? Okay. So, it's not really like a sit down margarita place. It's just so. Um dude, I'm not a margarita person. Are you I you're really not? No, I really don't. I do not like margaritas. Like Beer with tacos and stuff for sure. Like beer with right. lime corona for sure. Yeah, yeah, Margaritos. Yeah. I, I do not mess with margaritas. This I do not like them.
1: Man, I I, I dabble in them quite a bit. Like frozen like here, or just iced? Uh either one. I can have my, I can have them on the rocks or or frozen. But thing is like I don't know whether or not since I get like kicked in the head or what or whatnot, <laughs> I get brain freezes super, super like easy. And so like two like sips and I have to like sit with my head between my hands and just like
0: roof tongue to the roof of the mouth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, like either that or push my, push my thumb up there. But yeah. So if I like sip on it, then I get it frozen. But like, if I have a, like a goal that I like, okay, I'm going to black out before I leave this joint. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Then I usually get it like on the rocks.
0: So I think margaritas are one of the best values for alcohol. Like, I think you get the most out of a margarita.
1: This place in Venita, El Agave, dude, yes. Like, like three, four
0: beers and one margarita. Dude, you breezed right by it when you said I got kicked in the head. Somebody, somebody that doesn't know us at all is going to be like, did Jake get kicked in the head at a bar or something? What do you mean when you get kicked
1: in the head? My my uh, mom dropped me when I was a baby. and <laughs> We knew that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, dude so grew up right northeast oklahoma where i live is like small town and when i was growing up we were in a lot of 4-h stuff so uh we were around horses quite a bit My, my my dad my uncle everybody they always put on like an annual horse sale so growing up i was basically obligated to ride and hated every moment of it like i didn't i didn't like mind the mind the riding so to speak but the 4-H stuff and making you do these events. And it was like every like Thursday, Friday. And it's just like, I don't like this. Uh, so yeah, there was that. And then I, I never had like good luck with them. I don't know if it was just like the, the mares that always put me on or whatever, but those kept acting up. And it might've been cause like wh- a lot of people can say like the horses can sense whether you're like anxious or not. And I'm a little, I don't know, like 19 year old kid up on a big old horse. And I'm just like, I don't like this. Like, it ain't like a big Clydesdale. It's like these quarter horses. One time fell off, broke my collarbone. Next time I go, to, I go out in pasture, try to catch a horse. And as I was like, I, I don't really know how to tell this story. So me, my brother and my cousin went out and we we're going to go ride one day. And like, if it's just riding out by the creek or whatever, I enjoy it but i haven't rode in a while they were already out there catching their horses by the time i went to the tack room got a halter so they were a little bit ahead of me they already caught theirs i ran out there to try to catch mine and usually these horses didn't like to be caught but and so every time you run out there like you have to bring a little feed bucket and typically if you try to just bring out there bring a halter out there uh they always run away from you but if you can check the feed bucket. And and just kind of barely lay the halter around their neck. It's like okay, I'm caught, even though they're not caught. As long, <laughs> as long as I'm they done, feel that like that halter on them, they're like okay, I'm caught. It's whatever. So one got like got by the feed bucket, and the one I was gonna ride, and I went to like kind of toss the halter around it, and I don't know what happened. I guess they all started taking off running, and the next thing I know, I'm like, I'm like folded basically, like so you're on your knees but you're like laying on like laying on your shins and your feet you know like just child's, like
0: child's pose and yoga baby
1: yeah yeah exactly that's exactly how it is and i'm just like knocked out right there i'm only knocked out for like maybe a second or two and don't really know what happened but i come to an iron my cousin's name's eli started like running over to me and they're like oh my god and i had like a big old like bubble on the side of my like on the front of my forehead and it just kept growing and growing and uh ended up yeah I just got kicked in the face. Did
0: it fracture your skull?
1: So it yeah it fractured my skull it uh cracked my sinus cavity and that's why I'm ugly today. That's why I have a face radio.
0: (laughs) Dude, dude I was at my grandparents' house which is like I don't know what like four miles from from y'all's place. Something like that. Um And my grandpa, I think, I think got off the phone with either your mom or some, we definitely didn't have cell phones at this point, Oh no! but, um, it was like, Hey, Jake just got kicked in the face by a horse. And when you're like nine or 10, you don't really understand what that means. I was like, so he died and I got really upset about it. I was like, Oh my God, Jake just died. Like, that's what, that's what I heard as a nine or 10. You're like, no, he's okay. I was like, okay, cool. And I remember going over your house like a few a few days later and it seemed like one half of your face was completely normal. You know, like you turned and looked at me. I was like, oh, dude, you, you look great. And then you turned the other side. You took that and, like
1: a champ. Yeah,
0: the other side was like swelled up. I was like, oh.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and I remember that. The well,
1: uh the doctor said it was like it was the equivalent of getting like in a car crash at like 45 or like 55 miles an hour. And like. That's the you slam your head on the windshield, I guess, I don't know, but she, he, but, uh, he was like, yeah, that's a basically the equivalent. And he was like, you know, it's, it's not the best get hit, like kicked in the forehead obviously. But he was like, if it, if you yeah kicked like three, four inches lower, he said your whole face would have been messed up and it have been multiple surgeries. And I was like, probably cause I had braces at the time too. Mm. So that would have definitely like messed my stuff up. Yeah. Well, that's enough of pre ramble about Head head kicks. That's terrible. So if y'all hear me stutter on this, that's that's why you're gonna make from make fun of a kid with disabilities. Basically, I should draw a check from the from the government. Hey, hey. <laughs> now we're now we're talking.
0: There we go. Um, the real reason you guys came back to the Hunters Advantage podcast, not the the 4H Advantage or the the Horse Advantage podcast. Um, we're today we're gonna talk about early season hunting tips and tactics. So we're going to talk a little bit about gear, I think, and then some what we look for and get into some do's and don'ts. But that's what this episode is going to be about.
1: I like it. Yeah, uh, sorry, I was kind of zoning out. I was having PTSD flashbacks on that subject. What are some good tips you have before you even get out in the woods?
0: Dude, some good ones for people that have been relaxing all summer and chilling and they kind of have this oh crap moment where they look up and it's like, it's September or it's October. It's almost October. Um, these are some things that right now. Hey, (laughs) I've done it it too. Um, some things that I like to make sure are all in order before I ever hit the woods. I mean, if you're a bow hunter and you're trying to kill a deer with a freaking sharp stick, you need to make sure that all your gear is in line. And these are kind of a checklist that I go through on my own. Um, One is to check your bow. And what I mean by check your bow is going through all of the little individual screws that are attached, whether that's your sight, where your sight connects to your riser, where your rest connects to your riser, um, maybe limb bolts. A lot of times there's draw length adjustments on your cams, and those can wiggle loose depending on how much you shot during the summer or not shot during the summer. Um, So that's something to watch out for. Make sure the felt's good on your rest all those sort of things. Another thing we we talked about a little before we got started, but was um, D loops. Make sure that your D loop is not frayed. If this is for people that are mainly picking their bow up and shooting for the first couple of times, depending on where you store your bow. If you store it in like an air conditioned environment, it will probably be okay. I know some people store their stuff in a garage and you can get some string stretch because of that, or, you know, possibly weakening of the D loop material Everyone has seen some good memes of someone drawing back and getting a nice right or left hook or straight right to the face on a or broken D loop. Yeah. <laughs> <I've> seen, <laughs>
1: That's the then, one that comes to mind. You, the one where he's like, oh, yeah. And oh. he like replays it like five Sarah. times. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Huh?
0: Yeah. I've seen some nice, you know, str- straight lefts and rights from a weak D loop. So don't do that. Um, another thing too is if, You want to make sure that your string hasn't stretched, especially if you've stored it in a garage. So draw it back, make sure your draw length feels good and just start getting those reps in. Another thing I like to do right before season starts, and I do it periodically throughout the summer, but is wax your string, just making sure that it's tight. I wax my string every few times that I shoot, not every time. So yeah, I think that's a few good gear tips before you get into the woods. And you can do the same thing with your stands, expecting, inspecting your straps all that sort of stuff. Most of the things, most of this, I think is common sense, but some stuff that we forget to do.
1: One thing you kind of touched on right there is about checking your stands and stuff. Like we're not talking about like your, your, your hang ons or whatever. uh, If you're just like a, like a big mobile hunter, but even let's say your back 40 ladder stands that, that have been set up for three to five years, you know, it's good. I would say every season to either replace or at least check those straps. Because I don't know what kind of weather you get, but here in the summers, it's like triple digits. And possibly, you know, it could get into the single digits or even zero here in Oklahoma. And with that being said, like, that's a lot of a lot of stress put on those straps. So if you're like any other person that I feel like don't really use a lifeline or even a harness, because in ladder stands for the most part, like, Growing up, I was like, oh, I'm not going to fall out of these things, but you never know, and it definitely wouldn't be a good thing if you don't wear a harness or you don't use a lifeline or anything like that, and you climb up there, get all set up, and wind starts blowing, and your ladder stand just starts teetering over, and then there you go.
0: A good uh, a good example of this is our buddy Tanner uh, Woodward. He fell out of a tree stand like three, two or three weeks ago. Um, he was up trying to... Uh, I guess he put a foot on a branch and was trying to saw another branch. No harness, no lifeline, no nothing. And that one under his foot broke, and he fell Mm -hmm. like 15 foot on his head. And he broke like four or five vertebrae in his back, like his upper back. And the doctor said if he would have broke one more up, then he would have been paralyzed. No. And one of the first things that he said right after is he got on Facebook and he posted, you know, like anyone that's getting into a tree stand, Please use a harness. Please use a lifeline because you never know when that's going to happen to you. I know everyone going to One vertebrae up. So that stuff does happen. And I've been in, you know, it's, it's happened to me in other scenarios. Like you get up in a stand, you know, and you get three or four steps up and you feel like that ratchet strap, like start to,
1: right. <laughs> you can
0: hear it, <laughs> like it'll
1: start popping. Yeah. It's terrifying. At the buddy, when I was younger and I first just started getting into bow hunting, and of course I didn't have no money to go buy ratchet straps. I literally sat in that buddy stand, like the ratchet straps was on it, but but they were all broke, and so it was literally just leaning on the tree, and I was hunting out of it, and like I didn't know any better. (laughs) But like, you go back and you think, and it's just like I would never, and 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 kind of like, especially in 2020 season, on public and stuff. Like if you go hunt a new area or whatever, me I like get super high, especially in a climber, because I was like. I can get as high as I want with this thing, you know, and, and, and you feel somewhat safe. And then all of a sudden evening sets and it gets dark and you have to climb down. And it's just like, this ain't worth it. This, this ain't worth me almost falling out of the tree, you know, being 20, 25 feet up, like it's not worth it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stay on this for a little bit longer, I mean, have you ever had like any, cause we know each other, we've been hunting with each other long enough. And so like, if you would have fell out of a stand, I would have heard, of, heard about it by now, but do you have any stories of close calls?
0: Yeah, um, 2020. God, these are way too recent to be mentioning on a podcast where some people might trust us. Um, it's <laughs> fun. You uh, have to learn. Yeah, you do. A couple of years ago, I was hunting in that Ameristep with the one I shot my public land buck out of your yes. cheap stand. What I always do a lot of the times is I, I kind of when I get really tired. So it seems like when you're going day after day after day those early evenings where it starts to get a, it starts to cool off just a little bit you get a little bit of a breeze you're like man i just like your eyes start getting a little heavier you're like mm-hmm. i just want to take a nap you know just 10 minutes i always cut my hands like this and put my eye sockets and put my elbows on my knees and lean forward and i can't tell you how many times i've i've woke myself up as i'm going like leaning out over the stand and my weight starts to get a little over the stand i'm like oh gonna you know hang on Oh, and a hang on! Oh, yeah. I
1: would never. I would never. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's terrible. Granted, I started wearing a safety harness that year, um, but I've done that so many times, and it's so easy to sleep in a climber if they have right. the front bar. Yours doesn't, but most do. You know, because you can just cross your arms and like you do in like middle school on a desk. Mm-hmm. But dude, hang ons.
1: That's a ball game. It is. You need you to got be like wearing nothing. Yeah,
0: you need to be wearing a safety harness and. On those old stands that are on private, dude, just go spend twelve dollars on like a set of four ratchet straps.
1: It's not worth your life for
0: being paralyzed.
1: It's That's really dumb. not. But- and I've been guilty of it too, like in a ladder stand, not wearing a safety harness or whatever. But but do it and like I know uh, like because my thinking beforehand was I'm not going to wear a safety harness because it gets in the way and it's just an extra piece and it's hot and I don't I don't need to wear it. I'm fine. After wearing one, I will never not wear one. It's not a big deal. It's not because you get used to it. And it's just like, you know, having a new jacket you wear or something like that, like that's not broken in or whatever. Like it's fine. Like sooner or later you get used to it. And then afterwards, after you get used to it, it's like I can't imagine imagine being up in this stand without it because it just it, it it's another sense of sense of security that you didn't know you needed. Like just from that relaxation. Because there was one time I was, uh, well, heck, there's two times that I can remember I was in a climber, and it's the same one I have now, but one, I was on my grandma's land, same tree, that the OG spot, and shimmied up there, and typically in my climber, I don't, like, sit all the time. For the most part, I like to stand, and especially, like, if it starts getting prime time, I'll just stand up, and just stand up till dark, and just kind of lean, lean up against the tree. Well you know, at first you kind of lean like, like just with your back up against the tree and then you might turn on your side and like put your left shoulder, you know, leaning against the tree. And I did that one time with my left shoulder and I just kind of like some, for some reason, just kind of like lost my balance. And I went to put, put my foot down, like, cause I was basically just like putting all my weight mostly on one foot. And I went to put my other foot down and it, I guess I went on it all the way cause I was wearing those thick muck boots. And my foot kind of slipped off of that. And my, front one wasn't locked in that good because i don't know if i haven't set in it yet to like really seat it down and it, instead of just like catching me it just slides like around the tree and so i'm like sitting there like this with like one arm basically on the top and that's the only thing holding me from falling is just one arm on a top that's just kind of like rotating around the tree and i was like okay like kind of got your your heart racing a little bit and It's like i could have fell you know head first just now and then there's another time, like, climber, a lot of climbers do this all the time, right? You're, like, shimmying up a tree, and you get all the way set up, and then you realize that your bottom platform is, is either, like, not comfortable. It's, like, it's either too far up where your knees are in your chest, or they're too far down where your feet are kind of, like, dangling. Mm-hmm. And at this instance, the platform is too far up. And I, like, was already sitting down, and instead of, like, putting my feet back in the things and pushing it down a little, I try to just like use my feet and like kick it out, where <laughs> it'll just go down like a little bit, like maybe a foot. What's... Sucker dropped like like four foot, and I was like, "Oh shit. And I've done that too. So like like it, it was to the point where I was like, because uh, it was in a new spot. I think it was across a little bit from the community center, and you know where that big old hog waller was. Mm-hmm. And because you walked me basically to that tree, I th- I think like like you were or we were hunting kind of close together, I think, and. I was like, to the point where I was like, I was about to start yelling and just like yelling oh, for you because, no. and, uh, but I, but I kind of nutted up and I was like, you yeah, know, it's not that far down. And I kind of just like, <laughs> yeah, what, it, and just dropped. it I didn't, I didn't have to drop, but like, I was like, probably like head level with my upper before I got locked on. And then I was able to get my feet and then just like basically try to do a chin up and kick my knees up to get it where I could get back up there. But yeah, it was, it was pretty
0: sketch. Please God wear a safety harness, people. Yeah,
1: that's a long-winded thing. And so. check
0: your straps.
1: That's but that's the thing. And I think it's a really good time to I, I know we're spending a little bit of time on it, but that's a good thing to touch before the season, right? Like deer hunt's cool. Deer hunt's great. It's fun. It's what we love to do. It's not worth making stupid decisions, right? It's not, not worth it's, dying. Yeah, exactly. It's not like not worth dying, not worth altering your life to where kind of like a candor situation he was almost paralyzed it ain't worth that hunting's cool hunting's great but at the end of the day it's just like i want to go home because walking deep in the public and on the way back you know how you're like man something can get me a bear could get me a cougar get me a boogeyman could get me and it's just like i'm never walking this far back again you know and you're just like walking you know in your spotlight never with your headlamp just making sure nothing's getting you or anything like that like i don't know if you have that or maybe i'm just a sissy but that that's one of the things it's like this ain't worth it this ain't worth it and then you get back to the truck and you're like okay it's fine
0: yeah no i mean that's right take take our our stupidity and leverage it to be safe cuz we've learned a lot of these things the hard way another by the way that's another good reason for the saddle always connected when you from the second I'm ready. leave the tree or the bottom of the ground the ground to the top you're connected safety
1: baby i think it i mean it probably ain't good kicking out ideas on a podcast that other people could steal, but I think it'd be good like YouTube video to be able to like uh test out what it would be like to fall with a tree saddle and like what it would be like to like slip on your sticks or something with your lineman's lineman's belt on just your mm-hmm. lineman's belt. And just to see what it would do. Like, obviously you'd exaggerate it where you wouldn't like biff your face into the bark just for you like content reasons, but like kind of kick yourself off and kind of like swing, just see what it would do.
0: I'll and definitely then,
1: film you to do that. No, i maybe we can get like Peyton to do it or something. And then so, uh, same for a platform or something. I talked to Chad Rick
0: Rice, um, the guy from Cruiser, the guy owner of Cruiser about that. I was like, What ha- what would happen when you, if you fell on a lime's with Bell? He's like <laughs> he, he was he was so like honest about it. He's like, Oh, you're gonna get effed up. <laughs> he's yeah, like, he's like, I It's not see. gonna catch you like
1: super easily. He's like, it's just gonna help, you know. My thinking is is you would kind of like I mean, you'd get eaten up and like, like almost look like road rash. But I think you would stop whenever your lineman's belt like got hooked on a stick, a stick or something. Yeah.
0: Well, you could probably get enough tension in that lineman's belt where it would just stop. You know, a few feet down. But those first couple feet, you're gonna get smacked. Yeah, I think you definitely are. So let's let's move on and talk a little bit about maybe some of the early season um, tips that we have for people. We'll, we're going to talk about what we look for and some of our maybe early season strategies, but what are some of the tips that you have for people in the early season to make sure that they have a good hunt?
1: Let's bring that back to what I take in the woods then.
0: Okay. What are you bringing?
1: Uh, well, I know we talked about this before and I'm still a little bit, but thermos cells, number one, because if you hunt, I think anywhere in the South, or even in the Midwest early. season, Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Mosquitoes are a thing. Like, you could slap a saddle on them things and ride them around, and yeah. So thermocells definitely help. Like that's something I would recommend. And then for comfort, I would say like bring bring water, like even even a bottle of water, two bottles of water. And uh, other than that, just your basic like your, your your necessities: bow, arrow, release, range finder. Dude, what about – so I thought the more north you went, the
0: smaller and were, like, least Uh, (laughs) – I know what you're saying. Dude, those mosquitoes in Kansas looked like a small horse. Like, they were bigger than than. any mosquito I'd ever seen. (laughs) We were hunting the – we were in some, like, water. There was some water around. Mm -hmm. But, God, dude, I swear – one time I went to smack one, he grabbed my arm mid-smack, and we started arm wrestling. He said, "He said not today." <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, they're they're freaking big. Um, another thing that I wanted to to mention on this topic was, um, give yourself plenty of time in the morning or the evening when you go get out when you're going to get out and, and hang and hunt, especially because when it is eighty plus degrees, you do not want to be rushing because one you're going to sweat a lot, two you're going to make a lot of noise because you're going to be huffing and puffing, um, and three when when you're sweating a ton um i feel like you're if you got a good wind i mean or a wind you're you could could be creating more scent that is i think you could be creating more scent so right. that's just something to be mindful of i like to leave in plenty of time where i don't have to walk at a brisk pace i like to take my time mm-hmm. getting in there so that's something to consider
1: another thing is to add on to give yourself some time is for most people they're going to be slow getting back into the rhythm of things like if they're a mobile hunter setting up their stand if they film okay how exactly do i position this camera arm uh i forget the way i used to set up you know xyz give yourself an extra 30 45 minutes figure out how you you know set everything up positioned everything how you did last season yeah just give yourself some time to get back in the flow of things by the way you're going to be more
0: quiet the more time you give yourself, the less urgency you're gonna have, and so you're gonna be more quiet. Like when nothing frustrates me more when I'm sitting and when I get down, you know, I like sit my sit into my saddle for the first time in the morning, and it's like sun's peaking the crest, and I'm like, dude, I gotta get my freaking camera arm, I gotta get my GoPro, I gotta get my bow hanger, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, dude, and I'm just like <laughs> strapping everything to the tree, and I just don't feel very stealthy, and so. Maybe that goes back to like being the last guy that's dropped off. Never be—that's another tip. Never that's, be the last guy. That's never dropped be the off. driver. Basically, <laughs> is what he's saying
1: is never take your own truck unless you trust your buddy to to, to drive it as well. That's, that's right. What I would say that's, that's hilarious. Say.
0: So there, uh, there's probably plenty of folks that are going to talk about um, early season tips and tactics. We're only talking about whitetail here, and we're talking about the area of the country that we hunt which is Oklahoma and Kansas. So the South and maybe a little bit of the Midwest. So when we talk about these tips and tactics, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about from our experience. Um, But Jake, in the early season, it being really hot and deer not moving a lot. So with a lot of people kind of talking about tips and tactics for early season, we're only talking about our area or our neck of the woods. Um, What are some things that you try to key in
1: on in the early season? So, kind of like you said, they don't move a whole lot, and, you know, for some people they might have a deer pattern, like going to the feeder and all that stuff, but can you hear that train in the background? It's okay. Okay. So, short and simple, I look for water, because it's still hot, they're going to need to drink. If they get up, they're probably going to drink. And then, next thing I look for is bedding, because that's where they're going to spend what is it like 90% of their time? And the closer you can get to that bedding, that 10% when they're up on their feet moving, they're probably not going to move very far. And if they're not moving very far, there's probably going to be water close. And so that's my thinking.
0: That's a, that's a good point. I mean, you can't really in the early season, you talk about how you can think about how miserable it is even for you to get out there. Imagine if you were like a, a Wookiee and you had hair hanging off every crevice of your body, you'd probably be like, I ain't, I ain't going to be moving very much when it's 85, 90 degrees. So one of the things I think about on the bedding situation is like, never ask, never expect a deer to do something uncharacteristic for you to have to kill him. So if you're like, okay, I see the bedding area, 400 yards over there. And I got food on my ride. Right. I hope I hope they make it to me by dark. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be expecting a deer to, to move very much. No. And it's not like you can go all Dan and fault on all the deer and be like, I got 30 yards from his bed and he didn't even see right, me. Right. No. Like don't expect that. But I think if you're within 150 yards of some bedding, I really do think you can get up situated in the tree quiet enough, especially in the dark, um, where you can get pretty close to the bedding.
1: Right. And I agree with you, but that, but, uh, just tell people I think that's super situational right because if you have a private piece and you, yeah man you I'm talking about public here yeah yeah but uh that's the thing you don't want to push too hard on that because that could be a great spot and this could also kind of leak over into public too like we found spots that suck during the early season but are are like really really productive during uh, the rut and stuff. And you don't want to get super close to a bedding area, especially if you're on public and you've been having, you know, running cameras, putting out corn and all that stuff, just because they're not going to break or just because you, or they broke off from their pattern. Like let's say in August you had a nice bachelor group of bucks and then September rolls around and they're, and they're starting to, you know, kind of separate from their bachelor groups and all that stuff. And you don't see them. That's okay. That doesn't mean they're gone. It could mean they're gone. But, like, for instance, a piece of private that I hunt, pictures aren't, aren't the best during the summer, right? So I had a decent bachelor group. Like, there, there was a couple, like, decent ones, and then there was, like, maybe one good one that I would consider shooting. And I haven't seen them. Granted, I don't have corn set out or anything anymore, but I haven't seen them hardly at all. But that's okay but because I know the area, and I know – especially late October, if not beforehand that there are like bucks will start to filter through and that'll be their fall home range. And so you put that, I guess that's a, like a weird off topic side note, but yeah, just it's situational. If it's private, don't be too aggressive in October. That's just what I'm going to flat out say. But if it's public, have fun.
0: Yeah. um, I, I tend to agree with that. Like, this is the time of the year in either late late September, early October, that if I don't have the ideal conditions on private, like if it's not the perfect wind and I don't have the perfect access, this really isn't the time of the year to go in with adverse conditions and hope to kill a buck. One, they're already not moving very much. So anything less than like perfect access for me this time of the year is – Not, not the time to be pushing hard because those bucks are not going to, they're not going to bypass their senses this time of year. You start getting late October, early November, mid November, you know, maybe if they catch a drift of something, they'll still be like, you know what? It's, it's worth it. I know there's does over here, so I'm going to go try it. Mm -hmm. This is not the time of the year to be like having pedal to the metal, at least in our experiences and also on private.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, you don't want to burn yourself out. That's, that's another thing not only do you not want to burn your best spots out by like going in there every single hunt and just blowing all the deer out. You don't want to burn yourself out to where you hunt every given moment. And then late October or or depending on when, when your rut is because where we hunt on public, it's like, I don't want to say like the exact dates, but it's earlier than it is here where I hunt my private. Yeah, you, you don't want to give 120% early season, and then when it's actually time and it's the most productive, get out there. You don't want to be like, oh, man, I really don't care to go out there today or I'm just going to sleep in this day. It's just like, no, get your sleeping in in the offseason and maybe early October. But when that time frame hits, balls to the wall.
0: Absolutely. I think that's one of the mistakes that we've made the last couple of years when we went. To public agree. every single weekend is like expecting to knowing that it can happen. Don't let and, us and it can, you. And it, it can, can definitely can happen. Like you can for sure shoot a mature buck in early October, early mid October, no doubt. But what we've done in the past is like, okay, there's a slim chance, so let's go every single weekend in October. And man, by that we travel to hunt, so we're, you know we're traveling multiple hours to go hunt these public pieces. And by that third, fourth, fifth weekend in a row, dude, you're, even though like it's ascending like this, like the honey's getting better right. and better and better. My morale is going lower Complete and lower opposite. and lower. And it's like when I'm throwing that sleeping bag in for the fifth weekend in a row, I'm like, gosh, dang, I don't want to go. Like, I know I need to go cause this is the best time, but yeah, I'm like burnt. Yeah. I'm, I'm crispy. And at I that think- point.
1: And I think this year, granted, you're still gonna have to drive in October to go up to your lease, but I think the way we're doing it this year is I think as soon as we pull into that camp and we pop up that that uh wall tent and stuff, it's gonna be like there we go. It's go time. It is go time.
0: That's one of the that's one of the TikToks we got the most flack for is like when knowing when to go and when mm-hmm. to press pause. And dude, early like I don't want to talk too much about relationships because this isn't Dr. Phil, but... um <laughs> it can be. Your podcast. <laughs> yeah, do what you want. It can be, Dr. Phil. Um, There's a time to, like, stick your neck out, and there's time not. And early October is not the one where I'm going to be like, no, I'm going. Yeah. I'm for sure going. You Pick know? your battles, for yeah, sure. That is, not, that is not one of the times that I am going to do it, unless it's for the second weekend in Kansas, like we're doing in a couple weeks.
1: I That's don't know fine, why. though. That's fine. It's new. Mistakes. It's new. Oh, dude, dude. I... I don't want to say it, but I'm pretty confident that someone's going to have a shot opportunity. Don't you do it. I don't want to say it, but... I hope so. I hope so. And whether that be Jay Ayers on his property up there or what it might be, I don't care. I don't think it's going to be him because I I think even if he sees a 160, he's going to be like, it's pretty early. It could be a bigger... You know how he... So, I just... It might be just because I... I'm excited and like I'm getting blood pumping through, but I don't know. It's feeling good.
0: Yeah. There's some, there's definitely some early season mistakes to be had. Um, but we have, uh, we've had a few opportunities in in early October, um, especially on a lot of the public we shot. And for the people that we, we can talk about this briefly before we in this podcast is a lot of people say not to hunt October mornings. How do you feel about hunting October morning? Because in our, in my mind, we've we've shot quite a few bucks on October morning.
1: So, I can see where most people's coming from because each each place, everybody has their own anecdotal, like evidence, right? Like, oh, I went here and mornings I didn't see anything, and every evening came out and I shot a one sixty. Like it's like that's great, but for the most part, like I don't know how it is for most people, but down in the south, it's like the mornings are probably the best, like the coolest part of the early season because debatable. Yeah. Because by significantly it, cooler, it could be high eighties, possible nineties in October. And then in the evenings, okay. Ooh, it might drop three degrees where it's 89 instead of 92. And, and so nightfalls, obviously things cool down. And then in the mornings, it could be in the sixties or low seventies or something like that. And you're just like, this is the coolest part of the day. So the first 30 minutes of daylight, that is where I assume would be the best movement, not 30 minutes before dark. That's just the way I look at it. I think one of the reasons people um, like
0: to say that is because a lot of those, that deer feeding happens at night. And especially when you're hunting ag or maybe transitions between bedding and ag, um, those deer, a lot of times when you're getting in the stand, if you're hunting over that food, like winter wheat or we hunt, um, hmm. those deer are on that wheat when you're walking in. And so there i think there's a big um big chance of you busting them and same thing with like feeders right like every time you're walking in in the morning you're definitely taking a chance right. uh, if those
1: deer are at the feeder or they're at the that's, why, that's why i get a cell cam and just and just put it to once you get a picture just immediately sends it you know <laughs> Dude, i just changed my uh me and paid cell cams to like instant
0: and really they send pictures, oh already like within one minute yeah because we have the huh. solar panels so they're not going to die so
1: one thing I heard that's a con about that is let's say you have a nice buck come through and is, and is eaten or something like that. It won't take pictures while it's, it's, it's sending you pictures. So it'll take a picture, download it and then send it and then take another picture. So that could be five, 10 seconds or whatever that you won't get these pictures. Just saying.
0: There's a reason there's a feeder
1: there. Well, he's got to stay more than that. Just saying.
0: Um, Yeah. What else do we have for maybe some some good October tips that, uh, is there anything else here? you
1: look for, like instead of bedding or water or...
0: Here, I'm going to get even more specific. Trails coming out of bedding. Okay. That's a good one. Old old
1: rubs, or maybe even new rubs. Do you, um, you, you want to talk about beds for a second? What about them? Like, let's say someone's just a super newbie, or... I, I'm not calling you a name. I'm just saying you're new to hunting. What's a bed? What's a bed? How do you know what's a doe bed? What's a buck bed? Ooh. And what does that bed tell you? That's interesting. Um, Well, a bed is just where a deer sleeps. I'm sure 90% of people that
0: listen to this know that. Um, But the easiest way to identify bedding is just lay down on grass where a lot of the places where we hunt are six, seven foot tall, just native grasses. So it's very distinct. Like when a bed is there and have you kind of heard people talk about it where doe bedding, obviously doe bedding is smaller, right? Like the beds themselves are smaller because the animals are Mm -hmm. smaller, but it seems like doe bedding is in a lot of ways in more clusters. Like, so where you see one bed, two bed, three, four, five, that's usually in my mind, more doe bedding. Um, But when I see those individual beds, that are a lot bigger. I usually attribute that with a buck and you can also look at the terrain features and be like, why why is this bed here? Like where can the buck see where's Mm -hmm. the ideal wind from this situation? And when it seems like foolproof, it's probably a buck too.
1: So yeah, I agree. I could be completely wrong on this, but, and I think I heard it from a podcast too. So, they could be, they could have been either talking about myths or whatever. But from what I understood, dough bedding, the reason they're all like laid out sporadically and not like all like kind of in the same place, it, it, like they're not sporadic far, far away from each other, but like in a little vicinity, they're not just like stacked on top of each other, is because they'll all face different ways and like kind of inter- intertwine. Because as a buck bed, they'll face one way and then they'll try to hear and then smell something coming up from behind them right so they're looking one way that and then so they're getting that that effect and then they're trying to listen from behind them and then also smell and see if anything's coming up from behind them so they kind of position i guess on the wind but yeah that's i think that's the difference between the beds and kind of where they're located and a good example would be uh carol's spot that he you know those two cameras remember that big bed that was Backed up there against that uh that water source, mm-hmm. that was just a big old bed, and and you could tell it was tucked up right there because nothing can get to him from the water. I don't think deer, especially there, would consider something coming from the water a danger.
0: That's a good point. For I think mature bucks do that a lot. Is they use something maybe like a hard like a hard resource, like you're saying, water or maybe a cliff face or a drop off or something where it wouldn't be able to come directly from behind them. And then they let the scent blow over that. Like, um, or even in that instance where you're talking about where Carol hung his cameras, if a deer had his back to the bed or sorry, his back to the water, he not only could he see out on everything, he could also get the wind blowing in from that same direction. So his eyes and his nose, you're going to have to get past his eyes, his nose and his ears. To to catch him there because
1: he has his be- his back against the water, dude. That's why I think Carol's spot back there is going to be so money because I know we talked about it. But like all that, all that, uh, what would that be to the east of them? All that, all that crud that kind of fingered within. I don't yes. want to get too specific and all that stuff, but all that crap that it's not huntable. That's where they are, and you know because they're just going to come out in that field. You know. Well, it only takes one too that's the thing
0: you don't need you don't need 10 12 deer to come out of that bedding area you need one buck to be like and here's another thing um i know you guys don't understand exactly what we're talking about as far as how the spot lays out but it's just bedding up against water that's what we'll say
1: right next to fields and then right next to here's something i thought a about. lot of cover think about this
0: if you have a wind that is blowing into that bedding area, but it's a little bit of a crosswind. So it's not blowing exactly into the bedding area. It's blowing um, at an angle into the bedding area.
1: So yeah, I know what you're talking about just that offwind, where it's just like if if they walk the wrong path, they could bust you, but they can't basically. So yeah. I this know is a
0: little program. bit like playing on the edge, but that is the perfect, in my opinion, that's the perfect wind to hunt that spot because here's what right. can happen. That buck thinks, okay, I have the wind in my favor. Not only can I see, I also have the wind in my face. So, where I am heading, I am walking into the wind. Okay. And if he doesn't come, if he doesn't go deep enough into that trail and cut, he could catch you on that, on that wind if you went far enough. But the way the topography works, if he walks down the edge of that water, that buck is going to say, I have the wind and I smell nothing. It it depends how you access it, too, right? You're going to have to go around to access a
1: little bit. The only, yeah, and I know what you're saying because the only way he could bust you from scent is if he's already in shooting range. Right. So that, I don't want to say it. That's a good spot, though. It's a good spot. And it's, I think it's going to happen, dude. I think, I think when we would go down there in two weeks. It's going to happen. That spot excites me. Um,
0: and that's a good point about mature bucks is like, they don't get old by being stupid. If, if a buck thinks he has, not only can he see where you are, are at, he also kind of has a wind where he feels comfortable. I feel like that's your best chance to kill him. In some sense, it's the most edgy and dangerous way because he could get you. Mm-hmm. But when you give him the wind, in some sense, that's when he's going to feel the most comfortable to move. Think about, cause if the winds come in the opposite direction and it's blowing from his back where he's going, Now his only senses that he can use to exit his bedding is his eyes and his ears. What if you have three senses, eyes, ears, and nose? You're like, dude, there's nothing in front of me. I'm good.
1: I would, I would already been shot. I only have two senses.
0: That's true. (laughs) I can't smell. So (laughs) So, (laughs) that's just something to consider. If you're thinking about setting up on bedding is how, how the deer are going to come out of the bedding and what can you do,
1: uh, to make them feel safe. Don't, Here's don't my hunt- thing. this season, be aggressive, see where that gets you. Because I know me and you both have have, have like uh talked about it here recently. And we've been listening to a lot of uh, Andy May, how he goes and goes on three to four day out of state hunts and he gets it done. He ain't he ain't being passive. He ain't he ain't hunting conservatively. So that's what I'm gonna challenge people that's hunting public this year, whether you're a newbie or whatever, be aggressive. And then use your gut instinct. That's what I want to say. What do
0: you say to people, though? Like, we've got some of these comments recently. If you're being aggressive and you're trampling through bedding areas and you're doing all this stuff trying to get a buck, you're not being conscious of other people that are hunting on public.
1: So Casey Smith from The Element, I think, says it the best. Uh, I I don't remember the the exact wording, but he's like, uh, oh, how does he say it? The smartest aggressive thing that could work obviously you're not gonna be like okay i'm gonna to try to get 10 yards from the bedding like okay i know where exactly where it beds i want to try to like basically set it in the tree right on no be like think about it a little bit kind of like you were saying like you know look for a place that that day has that cross that uh that marginal wind that if it blows wrong a little bit that could bust you and then you know I'm trying trying to remember the exact wording, but you kind of get what I'm saying, right? Like the most educated aggressive move. Yes, and yeah,
0: we talked about it in our public land 101 mini series that you do have to be. Um, you have to treat other people like you want to be treated, but at the same and on the same token, on the other side of that coin is you're there for yourself to kill a deer right. on public. So. That's, that's, I think that's a little bit of what Casey's saying too, is like, you have to be thoughtful in your plan, but you need to be very aggressive.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't want to, I mean, you are there to have fun, but you're there and I don't want to call it a job, but like you have on a mission, you're on a mission basically. Yeah. And you don't want to go there and just basically twiddle your thumbs and sit on your hands. Right. Like you want to, you want to go there, be in the action, and try to be efficient as possible, but in an efficient time period, if that makes sense. I agree. That got me fired up. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready
0: for <laughs> you to kill a deer now. I'm really ready. Now now I've now I've talked myself to tell myself into it that we can kill one in the early
1: season. I wish, I wish kind of like the okay son granted it's it's like 10 30 11 right now 11 30 sorry i would like to just get immediate feedback from like people you know what i mean like oh as asking questions or or, or or be like hey let me hop on for a second it's like hell yeah you know let's let's talk about it right now
0: that would definitely help um us for some of the trolls that we have
1: that that's they true could, like they could
0: come on immediately
1: all those guys that that, that are just like oh yeah shoulder shop before a uh before double long, you know, always, always aim for shoulder. Just like We've
0: had this one dude um, taunting us on TikTok and we put, po- I posted another video today about, it was the question that you asked about jumping a deer versus seeing sign. Which mm-hmm. one is more like, which one gives you more confidence in a spot? And he said, dude, I need to get on these things with y'all. LOL wind, 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 and wind never stray hunting the woods when at all possible, especially the bedding. People assume that when we talk about jumping up a deer, that we're just trampling through the bedding areas like, is there a deer in here? You know, like people think that that's what we're talking about.
1: Now, I would like to know where he's from, because if it's like somewhere that it's basically just ag country or something like that. Right, you you probably sound like an idiot when you talk like That's different, but when it's, you know, hills and mountainous area where you're like, Guarantee you there's deer 150 yards away from me that will never know I'm here and I will never know they're, they're here. But, and like when you can't see more than 20, 30 yards at a time, it's just like, think about it.
0: When 90, when 90% of the country is betting, I'm always walking through betting, dude, betting five yard off the road. There's betting 150, there's water everywhere too. I I hope people understand, and if you go watch our recent video on YouTube, the public land hunt, that'll give you more of a sense of the kind of the stuff we're hunting. Yeah, it is not an area where it's like, well, let's go in between these two fields and hopefully I don't bet I don't you know jump something. It's not like that. Like we're hunting mountainous territory, and these deer bed anywhere, you're gonna jump deer, you're gonna bump deer,
1: and you don't know if if you're in the chips until you're in the chips. You know what I mean? That's the thing. And so that's, that's why sometimes, and that's, that's honestly a good strategy down there. Cause that's what, from what I hear a lot of people do down there is they walk until they bump a deer bump and, and dump. Then, and then they set up
0: Hmm. bump and dumps a very popular strategy among mm-hmm. public land guys. Like a lot of people will walk until they bump a deer. We're well, not doing that
1: on, we're not trying to, but it happens. Sometimes I did it last year on, uh, on, on rattlesnake. And it sucked because, like, like we were saying in the early season, how how it's just awful. I would I would walk, and I would walk a good ways, like up this ridge or whatever, or down this little ravine. Didn't hear one one doe blow, didn't see one doe, and I got upset. And I I know some people are going to be like, well, you know, big bucks, big mature bucks, they usually don't get out of their beds. You know, if you don't see them, they'll they'll just like stay in there and, and let you walk. I I get that. And I know this, but those won't, for the most part, because they love to blow. Yeah, if they don't blow at you you must be sweet on them or something because they hate me. So that's what that's what I would say. Uh, Bumping up it ain't all bad. I mean, I would do it. I have done it.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the issues with posting clips on social media where they're not a long form podcast. Is you don't you don't get to hear everything that we're talking about and everybody's situation is different. Like you could talk about bumping up. And if I'm from a Midwestern state where I only hunt ag, I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know, like it's just, there's so many different styles and there's so many different ways to kill
1: a deer. So yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want our spots to turn out, but then again, I kind of want this, but I don't really want this because I know the mosquitoes will be thick, but just bringing in a little seat with the tripod and the camera and setting on that deer highway. Worst comes the worst. I'm going to try that. Someone needs you think to try, he'll try it. Someone needs to, whether that be you or Carol or, or whoever else, like somebody. on the right wind, that'd be a great spot to sit. It would your... be, it would be because they would feel safe in there. There's no way they, they wouldn't, you're going to bump deer going in, but Probably. it is what it is. So, Let's talk about that. So this th- this is thick cover, and this, I'm just talking about this for my own selfish reason. So I guess we could talk about it after the clip or after the podcast. But would you want to hunt that on an evening? Because if they're out in the field all night, right? Let's say let's say they planted that field. If which they're they out didn't. there all night, mm-hmm. which they didn't, they come back in the morning. So you would want to hunt that on, on, in the evening. Hundred percent.
0: Those 100%. deer are going to be bedded the in the evening. Side. And they're gonna be coming out. So yeah. Anywho, we're gonna wrap this one right now. So, hey, if you guys listen to the podcast and you haven't checked it out yet, make sure to go check out our recent YouTube video, Public Land Buck Goes Down in Oklahoma. I I would dare to say it's probably our best put together story yet. I would say so. I would as I would say the person that edits most of most of the hunting films, I would say so.
1: I challenge people listening to this to watch the first 30 seconds of it or the first 15 seconds of it. And if you're not intrigued, feel free to click off of it. But please don't. (laughs) You won't click off of it.
0: You won't. You'll like it. You'll like it, I promise. Um, But hey, we love you guys. We love that you guys listen every single week. We're trying to put this stuff together for you guys, which includes recording at 1130 on a Friday. Um, But in return for all of our Valiant Efforts, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and make sure to go subscribe to the YouTube because we're definitely going to break 6K in the next day or two. So thank you guys for that and we'll catch you guys in the next episode.
1: Jesus loves you. Bye!
0: Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.